yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show podcast with me, Adrian Weckler, tech editor in independent newspapers. And this week I'm going to talk about a bit of a navel-gazing uh, media issue because I'm getting quite a bit of stuff on social media over the last few weeks and months about paywalls, particularly around COVID-19. And why do we have a paywall? What, how, how dare we have a paywall for important information? And that usually kicks off a to and fro as to, you know, future of media and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, why not make a podcast out of it? So here to join me with this is somebody who's been a very astute media observer um, over the years, Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunny Independent. Samantha, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Adrian. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Um, so first, my little rant. <laughs> um, so right. about uh, just about, about the, this paywall issue. So I, for some reason in the last few weeks and months, um, I've noticed an uptick in this uh, kind of issue that people have with paywalls. And I kind of get it, but um, I've ended up in to and fro's online about it. And, and I would have thought that the arguments that I'm making in favor of a paywall are reasonable and moderate. And just, just to take it a step back. So the Irish Independent, Sunday Independent, we, we have a paywall. You, you pay a tenner a month. It's really not a lot of money. But anyway, the tenner a month to get access to the articles. The Irish Times has a paywall. Business Post has a paywall. Um, a lot of English newspapers have paid. New York Times, biggest paywall in the world, 6 million uh, subscribers. It's actually quite a normal thing. Uh, but there still is uh, a cultural reaction against uh, paywall. So I guess I'd start off by asking you, Samantha, um, I would be of the view that paywalls were always kind of inevitable for newspapers anyway, especially with the decline in advertising. How, how have you viewed that transition? Do you think that was an always an inevitability or, or what's, what has your view about how they've been introduced generally in the industry? Yeah, so if you go back a few years ago, um, there was this big kind of debate uh, going on. I was actually working in the Sunday Business Post at the time, so I was observing it rather than being in the Irish Independent. Mm. But um it was like the Irish Independent and the Irish Times are going to both jump together and go down the paywall route mm. and introduce it at the same time. And 
what happened at the time was the Irish Independent decided, the independent group decided that they were going to go for a different model, which was be open. At the time, it looked like there would be lots of revenue from advertising money online. Um, and so, so it took a different route. And there was a view potentially if both went together, it would be better for the industry. But it was one of those things everyone was watching and seeing. And the independent ultimately didn't initially go for the paywall. I, I don't think the Indo was ready at the time. It's from recollection. Look, I mean, you know, you know, in terms of where we are now with technology, mm. looking, I'm sure we weren't ready. You know, uh, when is anyone ready? In some ways, we've kind of just gone with the paywall. You, you could argue you might not never be ready because you, you want it to be a brilliant mm. uh, offering. You know, we know there's flaws with a lot of paywalls, a lot of websites, including our own. So, you know, when would we would you have been ready? You know, five years and, ago. And just to put some uh, context on that as well, so. The Irish Times, I think it says it has around 60, 70,000 subscriptions. I'm not sure exactly how that breaks down. I'm not sure how many of that is via bundles or discounted or students. But that's, I think it's roughly those around about that figure that it quotes. Um, ours is 25,000 now. That's the, the owners of the uh, independent being fairly open about that. But we've kind of raced to 25,000 within four months, five months uh, since, uh, since, since putting it up. So... Um, maybe we did lose out a little bit in terms of the timing, but it looks like there was a latent market there for it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit, it's a bit like um, you know, uh, you know, looking at the say the success of uh, the iPhone and. You know, maybe when it, when it came out, it wasn't as That's the first time I've heard the Indo compared to the iPhone, but, uh, <laughs> but well, we'll go with it. You know, when you look back at anything that becomes a success, it's like, oh, well, obviously that was going to always be the successful thing. Mm. Now it's hard. For, it's easy now to look back and say, obviously, paywalls were going to be the way it would go, but it just wasn't clear a good few years ago. And, and all the advertising wasn't being sucked up by um, by, by Facebook and Google. It just that wasn't happening. So, like, it's, it has changed significantly in the last few years. I think you're right. Timing has been kinder to us maybe than it should have been because what's happened is, and you've written extensively about this, is how we've all started subscribing to things. Um, you know, like uh, Netflix was probably the first. Uh, thing a lot of people sort of subscribe to in the new digital age uh, of subscriptions. Um, I'm sure of the pandemic. I mean, I can't, uh, I, I don't know how many streaming services we've gone through mm. to keep our kids paid. We've loads of them. So like actually adding a tenner a month for um, a newspaper from Ireland, from, you know, New York Times, internationally, The Economist, all those, I mean, people are doing it now. So that's actually a positive for us, I think, because we have, you would certainly would think that generally people are more inclined. There's to a culture of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've written columns before totting up the amount of subscriptions that I have. And I think a lot of people have. And I, I thought that it might be around 70 or 80 quid. It actually was closer to 200. It was something like 160 or 170 or because it's not just the Netflix and the Spotify and the Dropbox uh, that that you're you're uh, that you're paying for. You're paying for things like iCloud, and then you're paying for duplicates. Like me, I'm a total mug. I play for iCloud, Dropbox, and Google Storage. Don't ask me why, because I kind of have bits and pieces in each, and I'm too lazy to you know to 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 reorganize them all. Um, yeah. And then with media subscriptions, like I kind of drift in and out of some. Um, I subscribed to a thing called The Athletic, which is a sports, an American sports thing, but very, very good on English football. I still have a subscription to that. I have two or three Irish newspaper subscriptions, which is kind of expected because we're, we're, in, the, uh, we're in, the, in the business. But, um, but there are other things. I, I, I will actually kind of 
hit subscribe to try something out for a month for a tenner. Um, and, and I'll do it fairly easily. And I, and I think people used to be, and I'm sure I know, I'm sure you've had these firsthand experiences. It was like um, timeshare or something trying to get out of a, um, a contract with a, a subscription. You know, you're trying that, to get that's out. A, I, that, mean, I, I have to say that's a weak point that we as an industry have. And, and I, I say that because like several newspapers, it, it is an industry thing. There is a, a, a culture uh, and a, there is a kind of a, a belief in the newspaper industry that if you make it hard for people to cancel, that it's a smart thing to do. So typically you'll have to call up, for example, and um, <laughs> I have to be careful what I say here, but I don't like that practice. I mean, I, th- I think it discourages a culture yeah. of uh, subscribing and, uh, you know, uh, more readily. And I think we are, we yeah. are as an industry very guilty of that. I think some of the streamers have been just really good on that. They've, I have a couple of ones that I maybe watch, you know, a few films on and then I say I don't really need it for a couple of months and going away or something or I've got other things on and my going on and, and, and I can just get in very easy and edit mm. very easy. And that actually is a very attractive model to me because I kind of feel, you know, they're not like kind of some creepy <laughs> ones that get their claws into you. They're never going to mm. let go of you. Um, so I, I, I hope um, the newspaper industry does learn from that. I think they are learning from that. Mm. Um, but, but obviously, even though we're, we're getting that positivity about people subscribing, you're getting some counter uh, arguments yeah, to that whole thing. absolutely. And it, it's interesting. I think it's important to, to look at what these arguments are. Like one that is a very interesting one. There are some knee-jerk ones, like um, newspapers are just profiteering from paywalls. That's, that's a nonsense argument. Anybody who knows anything about, you know, so-called newsonomics knows that Almost every single newspaper in the world, not every newspaper, most of them have taken massive hits in revenue and profit. There's no profiteering. This is literally just to keep the lights on. But one of the more interesting ones is this idea that in a time of crisis, for example, if you break a big story or uncover something that's genuinely uh, valuable to society, that there is an ethical issue with keeping it behind um, a paywall. And to be fair to that argument, it is true to say that we as journalists and in the media industry, we do kind of harp on quite a lot about our special importance to democracy and how we should uh, have a kind of a regulatory standing or maybe even public subsidies. We often argue for that as well. And so if it's if it's so if we're so valuable, then how can we justify keeping that um, important information to society behind um, a paywall? Um, I mean, I don't know how, what your feelings about that. Like I think journalists like a lot of people to read their stories. So sometimes journalists don't like seeing a really good story going behind a paywall either. Mm. You know, if you have a great, great story, a really important story, you want like tens, maybe more thousands of people, like tens and tens of thousands of people to read your story. So like, you know, to some extent, paywalls are something that we have to come around to as well. But then about um, public service, look, um, I read an article recently um, about saying that this is a completely ridiculous idea that we should be um, treating our content differently, like food and healthcare, you know, things that are absolutely essential. Mm. You, know, you know, the shops don't say, well, we better give food away free because people are, you know. This, I mean, that's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I once wrote a piece. <clears throat> um, Terry Prone wrote a column some years ago, making that point that it was uh, journalists were undermining their 
their valuable trade and data by giving away certain perspectives for free or comments for free. I wrote a column um, basically giving her good boot up the backside on that point and, and arguing an opposite point. And she was very good natured about it. Um, but um, but th- there is that view uh, there um, that we shouldn't be giving uh, stuff away for free. But I, the 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 argument I would I would make about how can you justify keeping the important stuff behind a paywall is it, it has never been any different. Like thirty years ago, you'd walk into a shop, there would be a groundbreaking investigation occasionally in a newspaper, something that would uh, impact the shape of government that might impact public health, all these things, you had, you had to fork over like 80 pence for it, which was quite a bit at the time. Um, and the other big one, and I don't want to go off into too much of a tangent, is people say, well, what about RTE? RTE costs 160 quid a year. I mean, I pay 160 euro for my subscription uh, to, to RTE, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're 100 right on that. The um, the uh, sometimes it is pointed out that there's free news from RT, and uh, that's kind of an argument that's trotted out, tr- argument that's trotted out a lot. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like it's paying. You're paying kind of a similar amount as you might pay for um a, a news a news service. More than the Indo. I mean, it's 160 yeah, no, exactly. by 12, or by divided by 12 is what 13, 14 euro, 14 euro. Now I've no problem paying that. I. I've written pieces before saying that um, yeah. it, it's worth it. And I, I do believe in a communal, in one big communal standard that we can all kind of contribute to. Um, it's also, you could argue cynically, it's also good for the media industry as well to have a big player there. But um, the, the other one that people, go on. The bottom line is... Um, Giving the giving the stuff away for free is not working. We cannot have jobs if we don't have a source of income. Mm. It's just it's the same as any other business. We need to. Have- I mean, there was a case. I think there was an argument a few years ago to say that um, Niall McGarry's Joe Maximum Media they came on the scene a few years ago, and it looked like that they had a, a successful commercial model for a while. They would very aggressively go after sponsorships and branded uh, content. And they did it quite well to an extent. Now, we know that I've had Niall on the podcast uh, in, in recent weeks. We've I put it to him about the click farm controversy and all that. And they went into examinership. They've come out of examinership with different owners. But for a while, it did look like that was an alternative route to go very aggressively on advertising and sponsored content and branded uh, content um, but the ones that are depending mostly on that and mostly on ads, um, Joe.ie, maybe you might say the journal or that they have tweaked their business model now. We can talk about that in a few minutes as well. The Guardian, uh, they, they have a, a reader donation, but essentially they're still dependent on ads. They're the ones that seem to be suffering a little bit more in terms of potential declines in the underlying business model. Yeah. And, and, um, our, our new owners media house i mean they've been uh they've been very clearly putting readers and our audience at the fo- at the forefront of the business you know advertisers are important but we are not here to serve our advertisers we're here to serve our readers mm-hmm. and i suppose i mean we have always advertising has always sat side by side um with uh, editorial independent editorial content but i think there was a bit of a fear there at a point that advertisers you know and sponsorship might start to bleed into editorial in the industry in general i think that was a bit of a discussion that was going forward the good news about 
uh, a paywall is we're being paid by our readers. We are working for them. We're not working for big name brands. I, I think mm. that's only that's positive for news, you know? The other nice thing about a paywall is to that point about whether or not the news is being infected with trying to serve advertisers or anything along those lines. There is a beautiful purity to a paywall in that if the product is not working, people will not pay for it. You you will see people unsubscribing. You'll see sales fall off if they're not happy with the product. If they are happy with the product, they'll pay for it. They'll buy it. They, they'll subscribe. I've always loved that idea. Um, the idea that um, you, you can serve, if you have, say, 25,000 subscribers, if you can make two or 3,000 of those happy, with a piece, in some ways, that's more important than making twenty thousand contemporaries or or peers or other people in society or on Twitter um, uh, happy. Now, I take your point about earlier point about the uh, the desire among journalists to have their work, you know, displayed as widely as possible. Um, I, I do a newsletter every week on on a Friday, and. I've had a very low sentiment score. It's growing really well. I mean, it's grown 100, 150 a week. I think we're at 13 or 1400 now after two months. But I got walloped on the sentiment score. There's a thing called the sentence where, where at the bottom you go, you know, do you like this newsletter? Yes, no. And I've had a few very narky no's and they, they, they make sure that they tell me why it's no. And because so much of the stuff is behind a paywall. So clearly there's a, an audience coming over there from social media that likes the idea of the stuff or maybe likes the analysis, but is really annoyed that they're getting hit from a paywall. So I don't really know how to interpret that. Am I glad that they're frustrated that they can't get in to read it? And is that a reflection, a positive reflection on on the content? Or does it mean that we need to tweak our our paywall? I I don't know. Like, I just think, as you are saying earlier, 100%, our parents, their their parents before them, they all paid for the papers, Mm. like, that was just a given. It just goes to show you if something is given away for free, even for a few years, it's just so hard for people to, take, to really just yeah. pay for it again. And I think that's probably true of loads of things in life. If you're getting stuff for free, how do you turn around and start saying, well, that's actually going to cost me money mm. now, even though it's a tenner a month compared to, you know, three or two, two or three euro for for just one day of paper, you know, during the week. So um, I think that's just, you know, the psychology is deep. It's it, People are not comfortable about Certain people are not comfortable, but then there's loads of people I meet. I got emails from a few people in the last uh, two or three people in the last week talking about content and saying, "Oh, you know, I'm 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 happy to see some of the stuff they're doing in the paper, and I've decided to pay for it." So I don't know, like twenty five thousand people, you know, people might not have expected that would happen for the independent. There's no way people expected. I mean, we we had a, I think we had a target of. 10,000 or under 10,000 for the year. We've smashed it within a, a few months. Now, lest it, this comes across that we're being real boosters, you know, for, our, I mean, is it possible that you and I, you and I both come from media backgrounds, media families? I mean, your, your dad was a very, I remember, I've, I'm not sure I've said this in the podcast before. I reviewed one of your dad's books when I was like 11 or 12 or something. I remember that. Yeah. yeah you know. um, I do. It was a big day. You gave yeah. me a good review. So How was your dad by the way? He's all right. Very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you come from a media background. Um, I do too. My mother was a journalist. Um, is it possible that we're, you know, we're we're proselytizing here? That we're just kind of, we're, like, I like to think that what I'm writing about on these issues 
is also informed from a tech perspective. So therefore, I can kind of see their view of what the media is. And maybe that's closer to a modern consumption perspective of the consumer. But maybe I'm deluding myself. Maybe I'm just a hack and I'm inside the system and I'm, I'm saying, look, you, you, know, you need to pay for this because we need to stay in jobs. Is that, is that possible? Definitely possible. I mean, we, like we are, this is our job. This is our livelihood. So, uh, you know, we're not going to be uh, fighting a paywall if it's kind of the, at the moment looking like, a, you know, the most likely route to giving our company uh, sustainable mm. revenue, you know? I suppose if, if the whole thing collapsed, I don't mean us, I mean the media, whatever collapsed, I've often thought, what, what, what would I actually do? Like, what would you, what, what, what do you think you do if, if, uh, if things went completely south in the you know, industry? like... Like I, I think about this all the time because I'm always thinking, um, you know, I should re- do, do something, retrain or, you know, like I'm, I'm at that age where it's kind of like, do I stay with journalism forever or do I do something yeah. exciting? And I just haven't come up with anything else. Um, You've been quite I, a circle one. I love my job and I, I just can't, I just can't imagine what else mm. would suit me. There's been quite a, um, a bleed, if I don't mean to that sound pejorative, of journalists out of the industry in the last few years, even just in the last few weeks. A former colleague of ours, great colleague, Susan Mitchell, Sunday Business Post, gone to the Department of Health. Um, Fia Kelly from the Irish Times, former Irish Independent, has gone as government advisor as well. Um, I wonder, is, is, that a, is that just a reflection of the times? Or, I mean, maybe in those particular cases, I, I don't know the rationale for doing it, but it might have been to serve. That, that impulse exists as well, to, to, to contribute with their, their knowledge to society and government. But there is a kind of a trend, isn't there, where journalists are drifting, drifting out into, like the, 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 the community is getting smaller. Yeah, like I, I, I think there probably always was a certain amount um, that went out. I mean, I, 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 I haven't done any sort of numbers on it, but I, I remember years ago when I was early days in journalism, people going for those kind of roles, advisory jobs and that type of thing. So I think it, it does happen. They certainly are kind of high profile people going and, and, and the two you mentioned are two real losses mm, to journalism. Huge, yeah. That they don't get back in, but they are two excellent journalists. And it's, it's, it's a shame to see them uh, out because I think they are the kind of people who do hold mm. the very people they work and that's 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 a shame you know um like i'm sure you get it all the time you know people are are always often anyway talking about the challenges facing newspapers the challenges facing media i mean look advertising is just not going to traditional media like not mm. just newspapers other traditional media so you know obviously people are kind of saying well what else can i do and looking for opportunities it's not surprising i mean if you know does anyone think they have a job for life in anything but Definitely, like, are we going to be here in 20 years' time still working in newspapers or something similar? It's just hard to know. So, look, who, who wouldn't? Mm. I, I, had a, I had an idea for my, I, I never called it a plan B, but a plan C to open a bagel shop in Dublin. I was going to call it Weckler's bagels. bagels and hope that people would think that I was some sort of a, you know, um, a German or something like that, that knew something about how to make bagels. I, I remember getting a taste of really good bagels in Boston in the nineties and thinking we don't have that in Ireland. Um, so I probably would have done quite well. <laughs> still might. Yeah. You never <laughs> still know. Might. Never say never. Never say never. Um, just before we kind of wrap up a couple of, uh, a couple of other things, there is this thing as well that we've sort of talked about it, but that people won't pay for news and that, I've always been massively frustrated by that misconception. Other than what you and I have just talked about, about how much we pay in subscriptions for all sorts of things uh, during the month. Um, I mean, I look at 
things like second captains, the former off the ball sports division who have what 12,000, maybe more paying subscribers uh, each week. Um, you look at us, the Irish Times, you look at, I mean, I, I just don't understand this idea that people won't pay for news. I mean, if people want something, they will buy it. That is, it, it's as simple as that, isn't it? Or is that just naive? Look, we've got, you know, we, we've spoken about the numbers we've had. That, you know, showed from day one. We, mm. we saw some coming in right away. People will pay for news. But, like, it's kind of a funny thing to say as well. Like, you know, the Irish Independent and the Sunday Independent has so much more than news. You know what I mean? Like, we have, um, you know, culture, in-depth interviews, loads of sports, uh, lots of things. I mean, it's, it's a package, you know, yeah. News. yeah. Yeah, like, there's, um, and, and look, but actually, you a good news story business news story mm. or the other section of the paper will get subscribers. Mm. So like that is like, that is a unique thing, especially if you break a story, if you have, if you're first with a story and you have the detail, like, I mean, I was really heartened to see that people are actually do pay for those type of stories. Mm. And of course they big exclusive interviews and other things. And that's, you know, those, those type of things will, will actually keep people, but actually sometimes it's the big story that pushes someone over the edge, I think to pay and actually, you know, sign up. Yeah, yeah, it's the original source. I mean, sure, if you if you come up with a big story, it will be covered on half the radio stations and TV and and el- elsewhere. And you can pick it up for free or for not much elsewhere. But there will be a solid base of people there who will subscribe because you're you're the original source. I mean, there is a fair question, isn't there, to say that um, despite this maybe the paywall subscriptions that we're getting that other newspapers are getting it isn't really making up yet for the loss in advertising revenue like it's still in terms of revenue and and probably it's still a net loss up to now i mean that that is going to be a challenge going forward isn't it it is yeah like you know if you look at the 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 numbers on advertising like it's just what we were pre say the last recession and where Mm. a newspaper now it has fallen so significantly. I mean, you know, we we took up a huge amount of the advertising pie, and now we're we're just really quite a far slimmer slice mm-hmm. of that pie. So that, that that's a huge amount to make up. But I think what what the subscription model gives us is a plan for the future. We don't know exactly the finer detail of that and how the revenues are going to play out, and and and, and will we have a, a a decent revenue base for the kind of uh, sustainable revenue base for all the people we have working for us, etc. Mm-hmm. But what it was is something to plan for and a future. And that, that that's really, really valuable to us right now in, mm. you know, a tough time for traditional newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fair point. I had uh, Adrian Acosta, who's the chief executive of the Journal of Journal Media, on a few weeks ago, and I was asking him about the their uh, revised business model, which now includes reader contributions, uh, a little bit like The Guardian. And he said that they've gotten over 5,000 individual contributions since they kicked off in April. Now, he didn't say whether that was based on a recurring um, uh, setup or whether it was just small one-off uh, donations. But, I mean, it's not bad, I think, because I, I was one of the people who contributed, actually just before I went on the podcast with him, just to be able to say I contributed. Um, but uh, I think, I don't know, it was like a five or a ten or something. Like that. I, so that was the minimum that you could give, and you could give it on a one-off. So even if you take it that it was everybody gave the minimum, which I'm sure that I'm sure there were more, that's still 50, 50,000 euro. That'll still, that'll still pay a salary, you know? Um, uh, yeah. And then we have, we have the, the currency Guardian. and others as well. Sorry, were yeah. you going to say about the, the Guardian? The Guardian, you know, does something similar. Mm. It, it, mm. Unfortunately, it had to lay off um, 
100, 180 journalists in the last week mm. or so. Um, you know, is the, Guardian, say, is the Guardian allowed? I, I, in the back of my mind, I have a question as to whether the Guardian's trust ownership means that it's supposed to keep its online offering free. I might be completely wrong there. Uh, I, I think that rings a bell and they were looking at maybe uh, changing that at one point. Mm. Um, like, mm. I, I, I think I absolutely... I don't judge any other any other any other organisation or publication for having to do that, but and I I would you know do anything to to keep my job going and my industry going. Um, but I, I think I much I much much prefer a structured paywall than the donation um, model. Mm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, we're not going to solve it here, and I hope we weren't uh, too boostery about our own thing. I think we we asked, we discussed things in a in a, a fair and uh, objective and obje- objective way, as opposed to objectionable. And final message for all the Twitter people taking me on: you're wrong. Okay, so anyway, um, thanks very much, uh, Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunday Independent, for joining us today on the podcast. And that's all we have time for. Uh, from me, Adrian Weckler, uh, I'll see you at the same time again next week. Bye bye.